0: Um, this podcast is being recorded prior to the November 3rd election. It's going to air November 5th, meaning today we have no results of what's going to happen in the presidential election, and uh, we, but we want to address it. We want to talk about the subject of the political strife that we find ourselves in and all that goes along with that we want to do it though from a place of integrity from a posture of no matter what happens no matter what the outcome is how should we as leaders how should we as planters how should we as pastors think and lead our people moving
1: forward family multiplication restoration i'm dahadi lewis join me Noah Odom, and Heiden Radden as we come to you from Atlanta, St. Louis, and Las Vegas as we seek to add value to your church planning journey. We'll have real-time, authentic conversations that are relevant to the life of the church planner and pastor. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the We Are Send Network podcast Another episode with Noah Oldham, lead pastor of August Gate Church in St. Louis, Dehati Lewis, the lead pastor of Blueprint in Atlanta, and Pastor Hayden Ratner of Walk Church in Las Vegas. Welcome, brothers, to another episode.
2: Let's go. Up, brother? i honored to be a part.
0: Man, it has been a, uh, an amazing, amazing season uh, so far, getting to, to do this podcast with you guys. It's been a lot of fun. I've heard a lot of good feedback from friends Um, And and my wife, my wife likes the podcast at least, you know, it's been a lot of fun having these conversations. And we say in the lead up that we want to have real conversations about things that are happening in the world and add value to planters. And so guys, I think today um, we have a great opportunity for us to do just that. Um, This podcast is being recorded prior to the November 3rd election. It's going to air November 5th, meaning Today, we have no results of what's gonna happen in the presidential election, and uh, we, but we wanna address it. We wanna talk about the subject of the political strife that we find ourselves in and all that goes along with that. We wanna do it, though, from a place of integrity, from a posture of no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome is, how should we as leaders, how should we as planters, how should we as pastors think and lead our people moving forward. So, i just like us to begin by hearing from both of you guys. How are you feeling right now as you lead your churches through this climate, this season of political strife and struggle?
1: Let me go ahead and start off with just say, I mean, when you ask the question, how do I feel? I mean, I take that literally. I mean, and I think about, like, for me, I, I feel fear. There's shame um, in there. Like, I, I really feel in so many ways that like I'm powerless over over this. Obviously, I'm going to utilize my right to vote, um, but in but I do feel fear and I'm scared because I feel like, regardless of what happens, like we have allowed polarization to so disenfranchise us, so divide us in so many different ways as a church. And you know, and and again, at our church, we have people on all sides and all on all areas, and so how I, I'm hoping that we as a church and as uh, the people of God could show in the world that we are his disciples because of our unity and our love. And, but right. I'm not hopeful because that has not been the case to this point.
2: Mm, man. What about you, Hayden, What are you feeling right now, man? Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit of anxiousness and I'm, I'm almost grateful for it because of the Philippians four challenge that to not be anxious, but to instead pray, you know. So I, I feel prayerful. I feel ready. Uh, I feel ready for this season to to uh, run its course, um, regardless of who's elected. I feel ready to uh, to move past that and continue to d- disciple through that, and to to honor through that. And um, I'm 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 excited to get there. So whatever that looks like, we're gonna lean into it. And I believe that the Lord's giving us a, a real opportunity to disciple through it, so I'm ready. Getting ready. Guys, one of the things I want us to talk about today, I want us to be as
0: super helpful as possible, practical as possible, how do we help our churches? How do we, no matter what the results are, how do we help our churches to pursue unity, to pursue love when we disagree? And more importantly than anything else, How do we lock arms for the greater mission, the mission of making disciples and planting churches and the glory of God on the earth greater than any other political mission that's out there? How do we do that? That's where I want us to go next. What do you guys think? What are your beginning thoughts? How do we pursue unity in the midst of all that we're seeing? Helpful. Let me go ahead and just,
2: yeah, yeah, let me uh, just add to that question. You know, one thing that I've been thinking through when it comes to How do we spur on unity? How do we disciple our people through this? I've found that as the senior pastor of walk church and in a very similar setting to what Dahadi just described in that multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-political, multi-sinful, uh, church that I, I have the calling. My wife Nina and I have the calling and responsibility to, to lead over, um, that For me, my biggest concern is less who people voted for and more for how the people treat the person who voted differently than them. And so I want to lean into that and say, okay, you know, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter six, some verses that have spoken to my heart, Luke chapter six, specifically in that verses 32 through 36 area, he says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And so Jesus is trying to make this distinction uh, amongst his people, right? Because we're we're called to lead people in following Jesus. We're, I, I want to lean into that. If you're only doing good to Republicans because you're a Republican, or if you're only loving Democrats because you're a Democrat, what makes you a Christian? What makes you a disciple? And so I want to help lead people into that and just even in a real healthy way, challenge people, what does it look like for you to still love the person and the brother and sister on the opposite side of the aisle that voted differently than you? And how do you honor those people uh, in this season? I think that the word honor is a key word here, right? Because Romans tells us to honor one and outdo each other in showing honor. And then the, the, the disciple Peter in 1 Peter 2.17 says, honor the emperor, And so I think regardless of who gets elected, there's still this very real calling as Christians to honor our brothers and sisters and even honor the person who is elected. And it's it's hard to throw shade at somebody and honor them at the same time. Right. It's hard to, 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 to do that. And so I think those are the things I want to lean into. First off, those are the things I want to live out myself Um, I don't want to have a log in my eye during this time. I want to live these things out and then want to help others to live them out as well.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things in that, and what Hayden is saying, and I think it's spot on. And I think every pastor and every leader needs to do it is that we first need to clarify the win, right? What's the win. And I think after we clarify the win, we got to lead with vision and not anti-vision. I think we're, you know, we have allowed social media in this time, in this season, to kind of allow us to focus in on what's wrong instead of what's right. I mean, if you recognize all the way since the garden, this is what the enemy has done. The serpent basically said, listen, hey, why is God not allowing you to eat that tree? Like, I mean, he's created all these other trees, all these other gardens, all these other things that we that we had the total ability to live in, to eat, to, you know, be fruitful. And but he says, hey, well, what about that tree? And I think that that's really a lot of times what we are able to focus on. And I think it's, it's upon us as leaders to establish a, vi- a vision, to clarify the win. And so for Hayden, what I heard from him is honor. How do we do that? For Blueprint, a lot of times, what you know, the win for me is like, how do we run to the tension, but run with a heart of reconciliation, right? And so like, how do we create safe environments where we can disagree, but there is there is a safety in uh, in our disagreement. But we're not we are going to address it. So we're not going to sweep it under the yeah. rug. We're not going to close our eyes. We're not going to put our hands over our head and then just hopefully it goes away. But no, how do we demonstrate our love for one another? You know, you know people who are on multiple sides, multi ethnic, multi whatever, like we we, we talked about. But how do we do that? And so I think clarifying the win is going to be really, really critical for us in leading with vision and not anti-vision. I think that's gonna be super essential for us as pastors.
0: That's really good, Hadi. You talk about clarifying the win. I think that's super important because for the last 10 years, I've kind of grown up as a church planter in this missional movement. And one of the premier verses, vision verses for the missional movement has been Jeremiah 29:7. seek the welfare of the city. And the seeking the welfare of the city, that is by definition, politics. Politics comes from the word polis, which means city, about the city. So if you mm. care for the city, you care about politics. And so those of us who really embrace this love your city, we've said, what is the best way for the city, for the country, for the world to be run? What are the systems wow. that must be in place for people to thrive? And so it is actually easier for me to love somebody and disagree with them on their stance on baptism, which is only a biblical stance than it is on some po- what things that the world has made political stances. For me, they're not necessarily political, they're theological, but that's really, really hard. And what I'm seeing in, in my people, in my church, as I sit here in the sanctuary, as I look out on Sundays, and they are fatigued, because all day long, they have made everything a hill to die on. They have mm-hmm. said the everything, every, every platform thing that my party believes is something I'm gonna fight for, and they're just tired. Have you guys seen yeah. any of that? What What are you seeing from your people? Are you seeing fatigue? You seeing fear? You seeing anger? What are you guys seeing?
1: There's definitely fatigue that, that we see yeah. within our church, but uh, but I think there is a fatigue from a lack of feeling like they're heard. You know, one of the things that we got to recognize is that we all have these foundational beliefs and our foundational needs that we all have is a need to belong and a need to be- and a need to matter. Right. And whenever you don't feel like you belong, you neither belong nor matter is when you begin to operate out of fear. And we know, you know, when you operate out of fear, you we generally have kind of a fight, flight or freeze mentality. And this is what I see when I see a lot of people responding to these types of days. And so the question becomes for us is how, like, recognizing that fear is not necessarily the problem or the issue. It's really what do we do with our fear? and giving our people a different response because we can't control whether whether or not they feel like they belong and matter in a society, right? We can right. control that within our church or we can try to create an environment within our church, but we cannot control that in a larger society. So the question becomes is what do? how do we help equip our people to deal with the fear of not belonging or mattering in a country, you know, in, in a country that they live in, and I think if we can help give them tools that not leads them to fight, flight, or freeze, but give them tools that lead to faith, because the beginning of yeah. all wisdom is fear. It's a fear of the Lord. So it's what do we yeah. do with our fear? Is the critical question, and this is why we as believers have and leaders have to run to the tension, so that because they're gonna be afraid, they're gonna have to deal with it, and so. But we run with the heart of reconciliation. We can allow that to lead us to being reconciled to God, which ultimately and hopefully can lead to a reconciled relationship with one another. And I think it's really important that we don't try to put our, you know, cover our face up, and hopefully this goes away. But we run in recognizing that this is a scary situation, but helping them to navigate through these scary times.
0: Man, that's wise. That's really good, Hayden, I'd love to hear from you. What what do we do? What do pastors and planters that are listening? How do they tell their people to
2: deal with their fear? What are the directions we need to point our people toward? Man, so good. Well, that was some heat right there from Dahati. I recently heard this acronym for fear, face everything and rise. I thought that was helpful, especially with what Dahadi's talking about right now is not not sweeping it under the rug, not acting like it's not there, but running into the tension with our Bibles open and with the gospel on our lips and with hearts that are filled with Christ-like compassion. And and rising up, I, I really think that the church still should be the leader in culture, right? The church should have have the, the the first say on these these items because we have the gospel, we have the Christ living in and through us. And so, yeah, face everything and rise has been some of something that I've been challenging myself with. Uh, yeah, I I really think that um, this has been a big push for me or at least a big conviction of mine over the past few months is that approaching these subjects with a a lot more Christ-like compassion is going to be key. And I think it's so crucial that we have an understanding biblically of what that word means when we think about this, this topic, right? If you look in the English dictionaries, you'll find the word compassion defined as showing sympathy to somebody, but that is not what Jesus meant when he talked about compassion, when he demonstrated compassion, You guys are probably familiar with that Greek word splagnesia, right? Which means you're so moved in your bowels that you want to engage, you want to help, you want to sit in the pain, you want to relate, you want to show love. And so I want to just encourage people watching this and people listening and people in our church to approach this season with Christ-like compassion. And in doing so, you'll be able to relate to people on both sides, I really don't think Jesus is impressed, scared, freaking out. This isn't an uh uh-oh moment for him. In fact, Proverbs tells us that Jesus, right, in his sovereignty, just turns the king's heart whatever way he wants, like streams flowing in water. It's it's not that big. And so I think what's big is for us as disciple makers to say, man, let me lean in with compassion, especially because people are going to hear a result that's going to probably offend in some type of way. Help me lean in with compassion compassion that may that might mean you have to listen better that might mean you have to be slow to speak right that might mean you have to actually you know let me learn let me try to put myself in your shoes before I make any type of judgmental or stance that's really hard so i I'm, I'm facing good. everything rising and I'm doing it with compassion too yeah
1: yeah could I speak on to that I think that's really Face. really good and I think what you're saying is spot on Haydn. and and I think we need to recognize, because like like we've said, like this is fear. And I love what you're saying, facing everything and rise. Is this like the idea, because what that is, is like, it's really a response to our fear. It's the idea of like having courage, right? Being able to understanding, it's not the absence of fear, but it's like being able to face that and yeah. to move into it. You know, Good. as we was running to the tension that we needed to show and to bring dignity, you know, to one another in that tension. And the idea isn't that it's the absence of fear or the scary, because this is a traumatic issue. This is traumatic for so many people. Like yeah. when we was having these conversations, people were literally like crying and literally trying to walk out. Like we had to kind of keep people in and not not for leaving, because when we were having honest conversations, because this was a part of us running to the tension. But the question again, so it's like, how do we deal with things with that has trauma associated with it? Right, because all trauma is is an inability to, to make sense out of a past experience, mm. right? And that's, that's that what makes something traumatic. The question is, is that what do we, and that makes us anxious, that brings fear, that brings these things in us. And all fear is is a sign of saying we're not in control, then there's right. potential danger, right? So what, what do we do? We says I'm not in control, but guess what? We know someone who is. God that's is right. in control, Christ is in control. And so that is where, that's where it's like, well, I need to go to the one who is in control and I need to pray. I need to, and so our fear can lead us to faith. So instead of us trying to try through our anxiety, through our control, through raging out, through all these things, why don't we take our fear to God, the one who is in control, prayer, fasting, you know, even action, but dependability and dependence on him. And I think that, again, so this is this way that as pastors and leaders, that instead of trying to get our people to act like they're not afraid, because we are afraid, I'm afraid, like, instead of trying to act like it, I'm not necessarily afraid who's going to be elected. I'm afraid of the results of elected. You know, and there's that, in that, and like how people are going to respond in light of that, like, we have to push our people to the discipline of putting their fear and allowing, you know, God to trust, you know, not God to trust us trusting God.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, one of the things I've tried to do is elevate uh, the question, not what's going to happen after the election and what's this candidate going to do or that candidate going to do. It's what is God up to in the earth right now. Uh, I decided to preach to the Book of Ezra this fall for this reason, to draw our attention to the God of the universe. What we see in Ezra chapter one is that God caused Cyrus, a pagan king, he turned his heart to fulfill his purposes to send the people back, rebuild the temple that would usher in the Messiah, the the coming of Jesus. And what I said to our people that day in Ezra chapter one is anyone can be a tool in the hand of God. And, you know, mm-hmm. some people, like, they rise up to that, oh, yeah, yeah anyone, we can do that, because that's been some of the some of the cry of, uh, you know, certain people about a certain candidate. But then I said, but tools are, are just tools. They're not heroes. What we yeah. see in that is, yeah. you know, God. Like Cyrus isn't God's hero. God is the hero of the book of Ezra, not Cyrus. Yeah. Yeah. And so asking our people, are you fo- focused more on what God is up to or what your political party or your political agenda is up to, and shifting our people in that direction. So at the end of this election, there's not winners and losers in the church. Like, God is the winner. Now we're saying, okay, God, through through this situation, you are gonna move your mission forward. You move all things according to the counsel of your own will. Helping people to see that, because I don't want people to fall into despair. I also don't want people to rise up into gloating and all of a sudden, either one of those things means their eyes aren't fixed on Christ. They're yeah, gloating yeah. that I have done this, or this worldly power has done this, or I'm not trusting in God. So I'm trying to keep people's fo- focus there.
2: Uh, what's God up to? Yeah, you know, Noah, when you say that, it it kind of reminds me. Like I, I I think that's what Jesus is. He's gonna. He's asking his church is. If you notice in some of the places where you know the Pharisees and the scribes tried to catch Jesus up with the whole coin illustration, you know, what, who do we need to pay taxes to? And uh, should we be doing this? Should we be doing that? How come your disciples are doing this? And Jesus, what he d- often does, right, or at least in that, that one case is he shows the coin, he says whose face is on the coin? Well, give to Caesar what Caesar's, but what are you doing? Are you focusing on your own walk? Are you focusing on how you love? Are you focusing on how you honor? Are you focusing on your own heart? And Jesus is still saying, hey, honor Caesar, give to him, give him to what he needs. Don't, the the focus, the primary focus, shouldn't be on whoever those people are. The primary focus should be above that, in our personal relationship with the King of, lowercase K Kings, Jesus Himself. So let let's help people. Like, how do we how do we even get past the political bent that people have to go even further the, to the King of the Kings, in Jesus Himself? Yeah. Well, guys, what I hear us
0: saying is um, faith over fear, God's in mm-hmm. control, and yeah. people matter people really matter. And so I think uh, pastors and planters that are listening, uh, again, this is a couple days after the election, you know more than we do at this point, but we wanna encourage your hearts, to encourage the hearts of those in your church and those you'll come into contact with, faith over fear, God is in control, but people matter. Care well, pray hard, trust the Lord. And uh, as always, if you are interested in church planting and hearing more about church planting with the SEND Network, you can, you can check us out by texting the words Send Network to 888 123. Text Send Network to 888 123 and check us out at sendnetwork.com. Until next time, we are Send Network.
1: You have been listening to We Are Send Network, a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.